The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. It's Tuesday. It's June. It's uh, show 12 of our fantasy offseason. See how I switched it up there to use the word show instead of day? Because it's not day 12 of the fantasy offseason, because weekends are real. They exist. But it is show 12. It is week three of the fantasy offseason also. And I'm going to try my best to actually keep some kind of tabs on that. Just to, you know, it's like scratching a uh, hash in the prison wall here while we wait for the next season of fantasy basketball to start up. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I know this is the time of year where Twitter follows disappear and whatever other nonsense is going on out there, bots being removed and what have you. But if any of you guys are out there and you're not on Twitter, this is a perfectly good opportunity to hop in there and follow me it's also a great opportunity to follow at hoopball gaming our gaming contingent you guys have heard me talk about betting a little bit on this show not a ton more so now in the playoffs than during the regular season uh but those guys are into that all the time so if you want to actually win some money that's the place to go all the stuff that they're doing over there the the podcast is just spectacular that's called today in sports betting that's totally free the Wager Pass is not. That's uh, HoopBall's premium betting product, $9.99 a month, which is obscenely low considering you're getting plays from nine different handicappers all month long, all rolled into one massive thread. In addition to Discord access, if you want to chat through stuff with our handicapping pros. And if you're thinking about getting involved in any of that stuff, let me know before you open up an account with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Some of you are doing it before telling me. I have prizes for you. Tell me first so I can make sure you get the prize. I can't do it after the fact. I got to be I got to be part of this thing with you. So that's mybookie.ag. They're one of our corporate partners and they're fantastic. They've been wonderful for us and I do all of my wagering there. Almost all of it. Sometimes you got to find a different line on a particular game, but that's where most of my stuff is happening. Whether buddies at mybookie.ag, you bet, you win, they pay. And the reason I'm starting with a mybookie plug is because I wanted to do a little bit of a playoff catch up at the beginning of the show, like we do every day right now. Yesterday, Washington beat Philadelphia, which would seem like a big surprise if I didn't tell you that Joel Embiid played only 11 and a half minutes of that ball game before leaving it with a knee injury. Dun, dun, dun. This is a big, big deal. I still think Philly wins this series. They have were up to a large enough advantage to where losing Embiid's a really big deal, but they'll probably sort of bungle into one in this series without him, and that'll hopefully buy everybody some time. But they're waiting on results of an MRI today on Embiid, so we don't have the exact status of what's going on there. Whenever it pops up, I'm sure... Twitter will retweet it to you 9,000 times, but this is a very big deal from a playoff standpoint. We're not doing the fantasy stuff, but again, it's just another reminder of how good Joel Embiid has to be to hit value. He played 55 games this year, once again, two-thirds of a season, and it was enough to get him to number 11 
because some other guys also didn't play that many games this year. But, I mean, that's that's the thing with Joel. This is, I don't know how he could possibly be any better on a per-game basis. 28 and 10, 3 assists, a steal, 1.3 blocks, great percentages, obscenely high free throw number on 10 and a half attempts a game. I mean, he was a, he was a monster in every moment. But the dude just doesn't play more than 70% of a season. And mostly less. It's like making the Kawhi Leonard bet, but Kawhi generally is better on a per-game basis than Embiid is. Some of that is the turnover stuff. Those guys were barely neck-and-neck neck in, in eight category. But it's it's the same kind of thing. At least with Kawhi, you know it's generally just going to be the back-to-backs and then a few on top of that. He missed... Uh, no, excuse me, Embiid only missed 17 games this year, not 27. My apologies. That would have been two-thirds of a regular season. So we did actually play a little bit more than two-thirds this year. Apologies, guys. I'm looking at an 82-game number denominator in my head. He was 55 out of 72, not 82. 55 out of 82 would be about two-thirds. So a little bit more than that this year, and that was great. I mean, he was he was fantastic this season, but you're always rolling the dice a little bit. He fell into the second round which made him an interesting value. Curious where he ends up next year. But this is the stuff you deal with. From a basketball standpoint, this uh, series shifts back to Philadelphia. Sixers are still favored by seven at home with a total of 229.5. And And it could go a couple of different ways. This game finished at 236. Total being adjusted down is most likely because of Joel Embiid. And the number being lower is because of Embiid. I mean, that, that's that's the whole story there. Philly was an 8.5-point road favorite in this game in Washington. So the fact that they're a 1.5-point favorite less at home, where you figure there's also going to be about a 5- or 6-point line shift, tells you how much they value Embiid. There might be a little bit of value on the Philly side with that line coming down so far. I don't think I'm doing anything with the total because the pace and the free throws in this last game were part of why the total got shoved so very high the teams combined for 76 foul shots there was a hack of Simmons thing going on he did actually make his first free throws of the series Russ was better at the free throw line than a lot of his teammates on the Washington side and that's a bit of a surprise there as well Russ also shot what like two for 19 three for 19 something like that yeah three for 19 so uh there was a lot of really bad shooting in that game and it still went over mostly because of the foul shots. I've got to think that in this next one, you probably see slightly better shooting, at least from the star guys. And then you're looking at the Washington side. Rui Hachimura had a good ball game. Daniel Gafford, he's always a sort of a high field goal percent dude. If Westbrook and Beal shoot better, and the pace is similar to this one, I have no reason to think that it wouldn't go right back over the total again. I mean, it, uh, just doing the kind of fuzzy math pace stuff that we've done in this show before, uh, Philly actually underachieved by like 10 points. This game could have been in the mid-240s instead of the 230s. So I- I'm not that afraid of the total coming down all that much without Embiid. He wasn't a-, a large factor in the scoring in this game. And in fact, with him out, there's going to be more running. Philly's half-court offense is Joel Embiid, so they're going to try to get the easy buckets and not have to deal with the slowdown because they don't have that huge advantage anymore. So I actually think that this is one of those weird scenarios, and this is a game that's happening tomorrow, so we can talk about it again then. But this feels like one of those scenarios where the total comes down because a key player is missing, but that key player actually is a guy who depresses the speed of the game. 
So I really like the over, actually, in that game going back to Philly. The way that that doesn't go over is if Washington shoots like 38% and doesn't get to the free throw line. They might take 115 shots, but they might only make like 30 of them. <laughs> and and then maybe you have Philly win it like uh, 120 to uh, 100, and that's how it doesn't go over if they, if they stomp them. But I, someone's getting into the 120s, maybe both. So uh, I like the over for that game tomorrow. Utah beat Memphis 120-113. That line turned out to be pretty good on the side. Utah covered by about a point. And the total of 224.5, it's, again, it's one of those things where as we analyzed the total and it continued to look like maybe this thing was playing more towards an under pace, which it still kind of is. This game went over because Utah continues to overachieve offensively. And they did again in this ballgame. They overachieved. No, excuse me. They were actually, yeah, they overachieved by about 10 points, largely because the turnovers were somewhat low. Good foul shooting, 17 three-pointers, and the field goal percent was fine. And that's good. Memphis, uh, they were pretty close to on the mark. I think they overachieved by like two points. But between the two of them, they overachieved by about a dozen. So the pace actually put this game ever so slightly under. But I actually thought the number was pretty close in this one. Uh, total of 224.5 was the line. It went over because Utah continues to shoot the three ball well. And I, I don't really see a reason why that should change much in their next ball game, which I believe is also tomorrow. Utah favored by 9.5. Does Memphis have one more shot in the tank? It feels like Utah might have kind of put the pillow over them by winning both games in Memphis. But I don't know. I think the way that this one goes under is if the Grizzlies score like 107, 108 points. That's the way this one might stay under. But Utah just keeps scoring. And Memphis just keeps coming back and trying to do it quickly also. But the pace has this one at about 221 or so. That's just not enough wiggle room for me. Not with the way this series has gone offensively. And as far as what's going on tonight, we've talked about a few of these games on yesterday's show. Boston is in Brooklyn. Nets favored by 12 and a half points. I don't know that Boston has much left. This is another one where even if the pace suggests maybe it should go under, they're just not defending. And that last game was 271. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, total was 228 and a half. It went over by almost by 45 points, basically. Um, but this is another one uh, not that dissimilar from the Washington-Philly game, except the difference here is that not only did those two teams combine to shoot 72 free throws, they made them. Nets shot 97%. They only missed one free throw, and Boston only missed a couple. They shot 91% at the foul line in that game on 72 combined foul shots and only 19 combined turnovers. The Nets, by like number of possessions in this game, probably should have been in the neighborhood about 107 points, and they're a really good offensive team, so you, you figure they'll overachieve that, that pace a little bit. But to overachieve by 34 is pretty wild. And then Boston wasn't that far off the, the overachievement mark either. They were in the neighborhood, I think, do, 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 what numbers did I have here in front of me on this one? Yeah, they were almost right on the money at 126 because they didn't shoot the ball well. But again, low turnovers, good foul shooting, and a lot of them covered up for that stuff. So this one went over pace by like 34 points, but still it went over the actual total, even in expected pace of game. So now the question is, did they adjust, adjust it up enough to 234? 
I'm a little concerned that Boston's kind of done. Maybe they come out, they throw a few bows in this game. I, I don't know. I would lean to the under after that insane 270-point output because everybody's going to be pushing this number up, and so we'd probably just fade that by just sort of by default. Denver, two-point favorite at home. That series tied 2-2 with the Blazers. Every time someone wins, we are all tricked into thinking, oh, they've figured something out. It did finally, we just kept going back to the well with the unders in that damn series, and it finally began to pay off a little bit because, well, the teams didn't shoot a billion percent. Game finally went under. 210 was the final score in that game on Saturday. Uh, Previous one was at 235, but they just kept making shots. The pace really wasn't there. It didn't support how high that was. The first two games, at the very least, the third game, the pace actually was a little bit faster. Still not a ton. I think Portland was almost right on the mark for their expected number. That might have gone over by like a point, point or two, like maybe a bucket because of super low turnovers. That's why they were able to overachieve their number a little bit. Denver uh, overachieved their number by about 10, 9 or 10. So that one did, uh, that was on pace to be right around the mark. Total there was 227, it finished at 235, so the the pace of the game should have had it about 225. So that was actually the fastest game of the series on Thursday, and then Saturday things slowed down a little bit, but also we we saw teams finally start to miss. That was the big deal there. Uh, Denver underachieved by about 15. Portland was uh, pretty close to their mark. They overachieved by a tad. And it, it kind of washed itself out, I think, by just pace alone. Because neither team turned the ball over. Free throws were... They didn't shoot the free throws all that well, but the numbers were relatively average by all accounts. Uh, so I think Portland should have been at around 102, 103. And what did I say about Denver a minute ago? They were at like 112. So Denver actually should have been the uh, the victors here if you averaged everything out. But they shot 34%. Portland shot 50, and that was the ball game. So one team was under by like 15, the other was over by a couple. So yeah, I mean, it went under by like a dozen. And so, you know, the, the, finally the number, it started to hit where it was expected to go. So then we look at this one, and the total's been adjusted back down to 226. Pace is, is still putting this thing in like the 215 to 222 range. I don't trust these teams to miss shots again, especially not Denver. So I don't like anything about this ballgame. I don't like the side, I don't like the total, I'm leaving it alone. Lakers and the Suns are the last one on the docket tonight. Phoenix by five with no Anthony Davis on the L.A. side. Um, I don't know. Everybody uh, is suggesting that LeBron is just going to do it all himself. I, I'm just not. I, I know he's looked a lot better in the last couple of ball games. Health-wise, it does seem like he's starting to get that lift back. I just I, I don't know that the Lakers can deal with the Suns' strong defense without A.D., but more than anything, I don't know that the Lakers can defend the Suns without AD. He's he's the guy on that end of the floor. So if anything, I think you maybe think about the over. I know it's a weird thing to think of when you when you suggest and, and we just did it with Joel Embiid. Not that AD's a guy who slows the pace down. He definitely doesn't, because he doesn't really control the pace of the offense the way that Embiid does for the Sixers. But he does change the defense. Phoenix is going to get better looks without Anthony Davis playing 38 minutes in this ballgame. There's just no way around that. Whoever you play for him, whether it's Kuzma in the starting lineup, or if AD's not in when he's normally the center and it's Montrezl Harrell instead, 
the Suns will get better looks. Simple as that. So if you think the Lakers are going to keep up, this game probably goes over. If you think the Lakers get whomped, then the total you probably avoid that altogether. But I think there is a bit of a correlated parlay thing going on here. If you think Phoenix covers, I don't know that it suggests anything about the pace. They could easily cover 115 to 105. They could also easily cover 105 to 95. But I think if you think the Lakers cover, I, I, I've got to believe that it's because things open up a little bit. Because I don't think the Lakers are holding the Suns to 100 points in this game. Maybe they are. I don't know. I would be surprised because Phoenix started to run a little bit more in that last ball game and only really slowed things down uh, late, very late, when it seemed like the Lakers were making their push and Phoenix went into the very the grindy half-court thing where they figured they can shoot a high enough percentage in the half-court and the Lakers without AD probably can't keep up on that front. But still, I mean... I, I've got to believe the Suns look at this and say, hey, we've got an opportunity here because the other rim protection isn't that good. Drummond takes up a lot of space, but he's not a terrific shot blocker like AD is. He doesn't close out the way AD does. And Marcus Gasol can't chase anybody right now. Better for the Lakers' offense in a number of ways. but And same with Montrez Harrell. Much better for the Lakers' offense, but position defense kind of guy. None of these dudes is stopping DeAndre Ayton. He's too fast for the big ones, and he's too big for this fa- the fast ones. I think I kind of like the over in that Lakers-Suns game tonight, and then I got some thinking to do on whether or not I think the Lakers can actually stay tight to it. I, I don't. I think they lose by more than five, but it's a big number, and it, it feels to me like they're begging for Lakers money, but also that AD injury, I think, steering a lot of the public away from L.A. And that's your playoff catch-up slash sports betting silliness for today's podcast and we take this moment in the middle of the show to remind you guys to check out our buddies at manscaped.com i love them i love them man they just they put they have such a great product i'm so impressed with what they do at manscaped.com the man the lawnmower 4.0 which i don't know the only thing they're not doing right right now is not putting the lawnmower 4.0 on their homepage. you actually have to hover over products to see the brand new 4.0 it's like 15 bucks more than the 3.0 the motor is awesome still it's still waterproof wireless charging system that's pretty cool it just pops into the the little holster rechargeable battery it's got a 4000k led spotlight and a power status indicator it's got a travel lock it actually has adjustable guard sizes now so they're manscape finally leaning into the fact that hey maybe somebody wants to use this on a beard you can use this on a beard. It doesn't have to be the sort of silly joke stuff they do in a lot of their commercials. It doesn't have to be for your uh, lower ex- your lower regions. I use it on my face. I shave my neck with it. I have I'm a, a skinny guy with a lot of facial hair, so uh, there are parts of my jaw, for instance, that are extraordinarily bony. When you shave that with a traditional sideburn trimmer, you're liable to clip something. And there's pinches. And there's Adam's apple. I don't want to pinch these things, so manscape me. My face this time. The Lawnmower 4.0 at manscaped.com. Go check that out and everything else they got going on. Use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0, HOOPBALL20, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. They also have some other specials that I think you can combine if you want to. Uh, if you get one of their performance kits, you get a free pair of boxers and a toiletry bag. 
So you can use that on top of the 20% off and free shipping with the HoopBall20 promo code. And just a lot of good stuff over there. You don't have to contact me first on this one. Frankly, I don't want to know if you got the Manscaped, uh, if whatever, or what you're doing with it. But I would like to know if you're enjoying it. Because I don't think I've talked to anyone that used a Manscaped sideburn trimmer and wasn't impressed with how effective it was. Okay. So, for the other chunk of today's show... I wanted to do kind of a preview of our biggest, one of our two biggest off-season learning processes on Fantasy NBA Today. And I hope you guys like this thing that we do as much as I do, because this is inarguably my favorite way to prepare for the coming season. Yeah, we study free agency and all that good stuff. I'm not that that's kind of excluded because those are thousands of little things that we all have to roll into one overarching picture. A player changes teams, we reassess their value. That stuff is very easy and straightforward. In terms of actual raw data. And I think on yesterday's show I said something like we were going to do a little bit more on the top 2 seeds in head to head, but I thought about it after I finished the show and I think the point is made I think the point is made. And we're going to pull some polls from Twitter that I'm going to get going today because I'm too freaking forgetful to do it yesterday. I meant to do it yesterday after I finished the podcast, but there were just too many things going on. Memorial Day, etc. Uh, so that's polls on seeding and head-to-head. I'll make sure to get those up today. I've now sent myself a reminder email, so it will get done. And we'll carve out a show to talk about that. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's show. But assuming, let's tentatively say tomorrow's show, we're going to talk a bit about how poll results are, how accurate they might be. After we get through that, the big project, and this usually takes a couple of weeks to get through, is how close did the big sites get? And this is not an exercise in picking on the big sites. Because, in general, there is a lot of data that they get right going into draft season. I I tend to focus mostly on Yahoo, because that's the biggest fantasy platform, and their their leagues are are category leagues. So breaking it down on the ESPN platform is dumb, because most of their numbers are skewed by the fact that like 60 or 7% of their leagues are points leagues. So that doesn't help us when we're drafting in a nine-category roto league. It doesn't. Or head-to-head. In fact, it's more disruptive than instructive. To those that have done this with us before, you're going to enjoy it again, I'm sure. Or if you hated it, then I guess you can skip it this time around. But to those that are new to this process, what we do is we look at the preseason ranks of basically like the top 100 or so, 100, 150. It's not even necessary to go quite that deep around 100, maybe we call 120, like the first 10 rounds, and compare that to where those players finished the season. So we're not actually looking at the top 100 or 120 at the end of the year. We're looking at how Yahoo's pre-ranks did with respect to how those guys actually finished up the year, whether it's, and we'll be looking at totals. We'll also be looking at per-game numbers so we can assess it a couple of different ways. And the reason we do this 
is because it strongly influences how much we use the big site's information on draft day. Psychologically, it's very hard to ignore a big site's information because everything on their page is listed the way that they ranked it. When you're in your draft on Yahoo, when you're in your draft room, and we'll talk about this a lot as we're actually coming up on on actual draft day, but when you're in your draft room on Yahoo, you're seeing the players listed by how Yahoo has them pre-ranked. Psychologically, that does move the needle. It's harder to go draft someone if you have to go find them. There are a couple of ways to deal with this. Some folks have time to get into their draft room and rearrange all the players based on exactly the order that you want them drafted in. Believe me, I wish I had time to do that. I got a wife, two kids. One of them is in preschool. One of them is not. Family stuff, work stuff. I, if, you know, if I'm doing six, seven, whatever money drafts, I can't tell my family, hey, not only do I need the 90 to 100 minutes for each of these seven drafts, I also need like 30 to 60 minutes beforehand to rearrange all the players for each one of them because the leagues have different settings, so it's not exactly the same order for everything. It's just not going to work. I'm a human. You're a human. We have obligations. So assuming you don't have time to spend three hours on every one of your money drafts, or maybe you're only in one league, in which case, yeah, you should probably carve out three hours if you really want to win it. Great. Set your league up by your personal pre-ranks. Remove all the player. But if you don't have that kind of time, make it the quick fix, which is remove the guys you definitely don't want to draft and also understand when it's actually okay for you to start doing what some of the big sites might refer to as crazy. We call it no man's land on the podcast. The point, and it's never one specific spot, it's more of an area, but it's the area during a draft at which you are free to go draft whoever you want. Where the guy on the board that Yahoo has ranked X has the same exact opportunity to finish in the top 50 as the guy they've got ranked Y. But that's not the case up at the top of the draft. So we're going to break it all down. That'll be coming up probably starting on Thursday, provided I actually do get those polls going today and get some good results for tomorrow's show. And I think at the latest, we would start talking about this stuff on Friday or Monday of next week. I don't think it's going to get pushed back that far. But I do want to take a look at these polls this week. I want to learn a little bit more about the value of those top two seeds based maybe on how difficult the leagues might be, how competitive, different types of settings, what are ways that teams can sort of uh, maybe diminish that a little bit if you want it. If not, great. Then we roll it all back into our discussion on ruthlessness. So today's fantasy discussion is relatively short. We actually had a pretty long one yesterday about the top two seeds. Today is the bridge show between Twitter data, which we're going to pull in for a show this week, and then how'd they do? How'd the big sites do? The the great big wrap-up. Oh, that's an exciting one. I can't wait to get into that. So enjoy this one. This is a little bit shorter than usual. 
show a little shorter than usual. We didn't get too deep into the weeds on it. But what we're going to be doing with all of this stuff, we're going to be looking at the uh, separation between where it was, like how far did the big site miss by, positive or negative, that's different. So we're going to be looking at absolute values in some respects. We're going to be looking at actual, because this is weird, like if a site misses by 21 under and then 21 over, those two average out to a perfect hit. But in actuality, it missed by 21 both times. So that's actually an important thing to know as well. They will have a running trend line. Looked at those a lot this last year when looking at uh, COVID numbers, which is sort of like a running average over the previous five or ten picks to see how these big sites are doing. Eight cat, nine cat, all that good stuff. So we're going to dive in hard on that later this week. Uh, We're going to talk a bit more about the value of getting off to that good start. And that's going to carry us through a bit more of these playoffs, at which point we'll start to do probably five or maybe three a days on team breakdowns. That'll roll us towards free agency. Before you know it, we'll be eyeballing next year again. Oh, I can't wait. This is this is fun. I got to crack out the Excel and start doing my partially transparent green visor and accounting uh, <laughs> cash register over here. I want you guys to picture me like that. That's how we're cranking out this stuff. Uh, that's today's show, guys. Uh, thanks for uh, for bearing with me here. I, I know I did do this one a little bit quick. Also, uh, today's my birthday, so you can't yell at me for having a slightly shorter show. I am. I haven't talked that much about it, I guess. I am 38 today. Uh, I feel older than that. I look younger than that. And so where does that put me? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm a crotchety old man at heart. Just just think, guys, as I actually get older, how old the guys are going to be that we draft in fantasy. Oh, boy. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Baspris. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Deep Dive Time resumes on Wednesday. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.